somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. I'm joined by the lovely Leonora Corvato. Hello, Leonora. Good morning, Scott. So uh, we have a lot of things we want to talk about uh, related to the wokeism and globalism. And they're all one and the same, folks. They're all one and the same. Woke and globalism are part of the equation. And uh, we're going to address something that Victor Davis Hansen, who writes for the American America Greatness, um, has come up with. Uh, basically, he talks about a full-fledged cultural revolution against traditional America. Yeah, they're, they're coming at us from all angles. And they have... Um, and the biggest problem I have with this whole thing, and, and you could even throw in the DeSantis-Trump thing, and you can say, well, you know, my litmus test is whoever the globalists support, whether it's DeSantis or Trump, I will choose the other candidate. So for that matter, if Paul Ryan and Mitt Romney endorse Donald Trump and Donald Trump takes their money and runs with it and says, hey, I love these guys then I'm going for DeSantis. But if DeSantis gets the endorsement of Paul Ryan and Mitt Romney and he accepts their money and he makes all kinds of excuses about how he's not going to be beholden to these these cats, well, guess what? I got news for you. I'm going with Trump. Now, that being said, if either one, DeSantis or Trump, wins the RNC primary... Um. Well, okay, of course I'm going with DeSantis or Trump. I actually like DeSantis. I think it was a bad time for DeSantis to be running right now. I don't think it's good for his career. And I think he single-handedly, especially with the botched, completely botched, you know, um, announcement where he didn't even get on a stage, people were laughing at him. And Twitter just blew up in his face. And only a fraction of the 
voter base actually is under, you know even gets Twitter or gets on Twitter or likes Twitter. I don't that part I don't understand because all of my news aggregation comes from Twitter. And all the journalists and producers in the business of media use Twitter as their tool. As a tool. I set my whole show up with Twitter. I can't do that with Facebook. Facebook doesn't work the same way. And Facebook is a different kind of an engagement with your audience. And we can all be friends, kumbaya. But if I really want to get my nitty-gritty news tailored to the way I, I believe it to be, and not just that, but also to see what my opponents are thinking and to see if what they're saying is right and what I'm saying is wrong, then all of this is rather important because the truth will set you free. Is that is that true? The truth will set you free. Yeah, the truth or will so they've told us so, for hundreds of years. So here's the thing. So, you know, the thing is, I think uh, for DeSantis, it's a bad deal for him because if he were to, to just play that game and get, you know, and abandon the globalists, yeah, and I just sort of hedged my bet. I'm betting that it's Paul Ryan and Mitt Romney are choosing DeSantis. I think it's already happened, actually. I think it's already happened, yeah. too. Everybody sort of knows it. And so, you know, yeah, I did make the Lipness test, but that is true. What I said to you is a fact. Now, you know, that, that I, will, I will vote against Trump if Trump were to engage and take the money of and sell out to and sell out for or on behalf of Paul Ryan and Mitt Romney. That is my Lipness test. You know, burn me once, shame on you. Burn me twice, shame on me. Well, Mitt Romney's not going to burn me again. Uh, He burned me once in 2012. I didn't like the way I felt. And so, you know, the the point is, is that, yeah, I do believe it's probably going to go the route of DeSantis is in bed with the globalists. I'm already hearing all kinds of stuff. But, you know, someone asked me, "Is, is DeSantis a globalist? He never comes out and admits it. Of course he but, doesn't. Yeah, I'm a globalist. I don't think anybody really does. Everybody knows it's a dirty word. It's the G word. But it's a dirty word. And so, you know, you, you have to want... See, the thing is, America has no place for globalism. And globalism is not representative of a republic. A republic where we have representatives from each of our counties and states and local municipalities that basically go to Washington and, you know, try to make a difference at the federal level. And, you know, we have state rights and we have state constitutions. You know, we have all of these different things that make America so unique and great. And we can't have Klaus Schwab and this corporate oligarchy and these global corporate partnerships dictating our way of life, whether it's our health from the WHO, whether it's our money from the World Bank and the IMF and the World Trade Organization, whether it's our climate from the uh, basically World, World Economic Forum initiatives, As I said yesterday, it's all being run by 
three major corporations. They're the BlackRock, Vanguard, which I think might be bigger than BlackRock, and State Street. And guess what? The top three shareholders of Vanguard are the same three that are the same top shareholders of BlackRock. And they're the top three shareholders of State Street. So it's incestuous. Just a comment. It's incestuous. So just a comment about, about Ron DeSantis. Okay, so if Ron DeSantis is a globalist, okay, think about uh, his, the stance that he took against Disney, which Disney, the whole wokeism in Disney, is part of the global agenda. That's so right. When, so when DeSantis speaks up against Disney, it speaks up against the special uh, tax considerations that Disney has had for all these years. He's standing up, you know, on a more local, a more state level. But what, when it becomes more widely known that on other issues he is more of a proponent of globalism, people People are going to turn against him because they're going to feel that the stance that he took against Disney or the specific stances that he took in Florida about education and other types of things were disingenuous because so many people could think about this, Scott, across the the spectrum, across the spectrum with with DeSantis. He has repeatedly said, we are doing things right in Florida. We're doing things right with COVID. We're doing things right with the economy. We're doing things right uh, in the culture wars. If it turns out that he isn't really doing things right he is going to lose people in droves right and let me let me just try to remember back when he uh launched his announcement on twitter who who was the host it was david Sachs, uh and it was uh what's that guy's name that owns twitter and tesla what's that guy whose name elon musk <laughs> so he wore uh at a met gala at the Metropolitan, at the Lincoln Center, in the Metropolitan Museum, um, in the Metro, was it the Metropolitan Opera? Yeah, yeah, the Metropolitan Opera in New at York City, at the Lincoln City, Center, yeah, at the Lincoln Center, the Met Gala. It's annual. It's where the same place where Ocasio Cortez wore that dress that said "Tax the Rich." Yeah. Well, once upon a time, Elon Musk wore a. Uh, it was spelled out in Latin. It said New World Order. Scott, I need to correct you. The Metro, the Met Gala is not held at Link, at the Metropolitan Opera and Lincoln Center. It's held, at, as I thought, at the Metropolitan Museum of Arts. Okay. So and that where, makes more sense. And where is that? That's also in Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's on the Upper East Side. I guess, right? That's yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. We've I, been there many times. Yeah. No, <laughs> I was getting it mixed up with something else. But, um, yeah, you're right. No, I thought about that. So wait a moment, because they have costume exhibits there. So of course that makes more sense, and it's a much bigger venue. All right. Yeah. Thank so. you for that. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, fact checker, you're, you're my little fact checker. Do you work for Facebook? No. <laughs> and I am not. They need a, a fact checker like you, who's right. <laughs> and I am not a fact checker. I'm just a person who yeah. has a handy little no, mouse face, here and double Facebook's checks. Facebook fact checkers are the exact opposite. It's like Snopes. It's like, oh, you're going to fact check. Okay, right, great. Yes, yeah, Snopes. I trust you. You know, you you a bunch of uh, socialists that run that organization. But here's the thing. So uh, the first, it was the Disney guy, Eisner. Right. Um, at the time it was Eisner. Then he left. Then he's back. No, no, no. It's not Eisner. Yeah, Eisner left a long time ago. Eisner's not that back. No, he was in 2017. Yeah. It was Michael Eisner, uh, who I think it was Michael Eisner. I could be wrong. Is it, no. In any case, it was the head of Disney, 
And it was the head of uh, Tesla, you know, Elon Musk, who basically, when Trump decided to leave the Paris Agreement, which was all about, you know, the new world order, the Paris Agreement was all about climate. The Paris Agreement was all about sending slave labor to China. The Paris Agreement was all about separating the G7 from BRICS. You know, the Paris Agreement was all about the corporations getting greedy and wanting to profit from cheaper labor by making it illegal for you to burn a gas stove or or uh, set up a smokestack and make a widget here in the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were making it perfectly legal for China to not only quadruple, but ten to- tenfold increase their coal fire plants and coal production and blow smoke like there's no tomorrow. And Greta Thunberg, who got a honorary degree, a PhD from Finland, uh, never says a, a doggone thing about China and speaks up about protecting the banks because if you protect the banks, you protect the world. That's what she said. We played it on, on audio. And so my point is, is that the Paris Agreement was all about the New World Order. It was about slave labor. It was about disenfranchising America from its manufacturing prowess, its history of being a manufacturing uh, country because they couldn't get the labor down cheap enough. And the reason why they can't is in one reason we had uh, ridiculous inflation because of the Federal Reserve that probably should be banned. We also... uh, uh, have these liberal unions, these very corrupt unions. I remember li- growing up in the Ohio Valley uh, where I grew up and all these steel plants and titanium plants and coal, ma- coal mines were controlled by the unions. How about Detroit, the richest country, city in the world in 1960, overrun, uh, well, on the, on the, on, on the, success of the automakers, the auto manufacturers. It was a industrious city. And then the unions came in and ruined it for everybody. You know, not really, you know, planning for the now and greasing their palms now. But, you know, it's not like they didn't know that the world was going to become more global and that they were going to have to compete with Japan at the time and eventually China. So they didn't think ahead, but they probably did. They just wanted the money now. You know, what's good for me now, who cares about after I'm dead and gone? Well, here we are after those shysters from the 60s, those adults, those leaders in the 60s who manipulated and rigged the systems in Chicago and in uh, Detroit. I mean, you think about like I see these pictures of L.A., and just 1900, L.A. was like a, a like a Western barren landscape, like it was a rural area. L.A., San Francisco in 1930, they're building the San Francisco Bridge. So give it 20, 30 years of great build, you know, in our country from 1930 to 1960, 1970, and all of a sudden, liberal politics entered the cities. And exploited the heck out of them. What's left of them now? They're a shell of themselves. Well, whatever happened to Detroit and Chicago and San Francisco? 
is absolutely going to happen to the entire country. With his woke business at Target. You know, this guy named Brian uh, Cornell runs Target. He has the nerve to say that this is good for business and good for society. That was his claim. Well, then why is there a lot of pressure for them to put all the woke merchandise, all the pride merchandise to the back of the store? Because the majority or more than 50% of America doesn't want to see it up front. Now, we have two clips we want to start the show off with. Uh, I have some audio clips I want to share with you. One, I'm playing this one because this one actually came out before DeSantis made his announcement. Okay. But it's it's perfect it's a it's a perfect analysis, and it's from none other than Peak Hegseth, who, um, from what I understand, his wife was instrumental in Tucker's demise on Fox. But I don't think that was Pete Hegseth's fault. Actually, I think that that was uh, the Murdoch's fault. I think that was the fault of BlackRock, because BlackRock owned over fifteen percent stock in Fox News. They were in bed, rolling around like hyenas uh, with the Murdoch family, uh, who is just absolutely off the charts liberal, they're not much different than Soros and the Soros family, which are a bunch of freakazoids. And that's who's running Fox News now, which is losing to MSNBC now. CNN is losing to Newsmax, if you can believe that. And I, for one, like NTD.com. NTD... uh, which is basically Epoch Times. But I've been watching my Newsmax. and But i got to tell you, it's not that good. I actually think that Scott Adams could do a better job than half the stuff I'm seeing well, on One America News. And and uh, so, you know, we're thinking about doing something in that area. But we'll, we'll see what happens. I would like to. It's just a lot of work, a lot of investment, a lot of risk. And I don't know, but... You know, the content that we're delivering here, I know, is better than what they're delivering there. I know that for, for a fact. Because the real pro- the root of the problems are what we're covering here. We're covering the root of the problem. People aren't talking about the root of all evil right now in this world, which is globalism penetrating the cabinets, like what Klaus Schwab said, and, and, and impacting our elections. These people don't care about America, these people that claim that they do. And so getting back to Disney and Elon Musk for just one moment, the business uh, development panel that Trump put together, those two individuals left. Was I right about that? I know you had the names wrong. Um, So let me quickly correct you. Uh, It was Robert Iger who returned, who replaced Bob Chapek. Michael Eisner, who went to Denison. It was a long time ago. Who went to Denison like I did. I thought I had that wrong. uh, Left Disney in 2005. See, I'm older, though. So, (laughs) I mean, that happens. No, no. I thought of Michael Eisner, too. I mean, you know, but he's been gone 18 years. Still alive, but gone from Disney. So it's Robert Iger. Iger. Right. I knew it was an I. And just so you know, there was some pressure because of the Nike uh, thing with the Dylan Mulvaney wearing Nike. People were starting to pressure uh, Robert Iger to step down from Disney, and Nike is now supporting Robert Iger for being woke. Yeah, well, Disney, I mean, Nike Nike uh, sucks. Yeah, so and, they're all woke. Uh, yeah, but, um, and you, you know, you could try to boycott Nike, but is Adidas going to be any better? I mean, like, like I said yesterday, VF Corporation owns Timberland. They own, uh, I don't know if they own 
own Adidas, but they own Timberland. They own North Face. North Face has gotten in on it. North Face of all. You, you know? can't be pure anymore. No, no, no. I mean, it's like you can't really boycott it because if you if you boycott one brand, you're still buying from VF Corporation. You are. And they're still owned by Capital Group. Now, I mentioned BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard. There's another big group like them, not quite as big, heavily invested in a lot of these organizations, but not at the top three level. But I will tell you the Capital Group, uh, is not. I looked that up. I looked them up too, and they're not nearly as woke. The the company. So that's why I think there's a chance that there are organizations like Capital Group and others of their stature and there size. Are, there are some financial of uh, organizations that could be propped up non woke. And Capital Group could be one of them. Right. Okay. I want everybody to hear uh, this analysis by Pete Hegseth about. DeSantis. I thought it was spot on. And so we're going to start off with why DeSantis probably made a mistake in running. Because I think this is going to open up the doors for people. He's going to get he's going to get land blasted. He's going to be um, he's going to have the uh, globalist cloak wrapped around his neck. He's never going. I don't think he could win the primary against Trump. I don't believe it. Well, I could be wrong, but you know I'm not Nostradamus. I don't see the future, but I'm I'm going on a limb and I'm guessing that that's going to be the case. And if he loses, then he's never really going to get on the Trump train. And someone like uh, Matt Gates, who's been on the Trump train like a diehard, uh, has Trump on speed dial. I think it opens the door for a guy like Matt Absolutely, Gates and he's to, a rising to star. prevail in 2028, because let's face it, whoever uh, Trump endorses in 2028, if Trump gets the... Now, now, if Trump doesn't win in 2024, or if the Republicans don't take back the White House in 2024, it's game over for America. You may as well just call it call it a day. You had a chance to win a battle, and you didn't. Now, that being said, chances to win the battle, um, like in Maricopa, I think there is still a chance for appeal on the signature verification systems. But in any case, we're going to start off um, because it was uh, Elon Musk and and I, what's his name? Robert the, Iger. <laughs> Iger, okay. Iger and Elon Musk left the business panel. They left him high and dry with the Paris Agreement. And they got off the business panel because Trump pulled out of the Paris Agreement. That's how globalist they are. There, I finally got that one out. I didn't say <laughs> I keep getting distracted with my own thoughts. But in any case, as my father would say, write it down. Um, write down your notes. Draw up an outline. I don't I, have a, I, have a, have a to do list. No, I'm. I I, I like jazz better than um, classical, but I like both. And I like to free flow. Uh, I, I don't have a script here. Um, so it's just free flow. You get what you get. I don't even know what I'm going to say five minutes from now. But uh, in any case, um, check this out. This is I thought this was really good analysis. And again, it's, it's a little late because this came out before uh, DeSantis made his announcement. But I thought his analysis was so good, and I never really found time to uh, play it. I'm going to play it now. Did DeSantis eat an edible? 
when he said only three candidates are credible. DeSantis and Trump are turning up the heat in the race for the White House, while Biden can't even find the starting line. (laughs) DeSantis reportedly told his donors, all six of them, on a phone call that there are basically three people at this point in the race who are credible in the election. Biden, Trump, and him. Sorry, RFK, the Democrats don't hold real primaries. Just ask Bernie. And of those three, DeSantis thinks only he and Biden actually have a chance. Even though polls show Trump running circles around him like the teacup ride at the Magic Kingdom. (laughs) So explain yourself, Ron. Only three credible candidates, including Sleepy Joe, who shakes hands with magical people. (laughs) Come on, man. What's that mean for Tim Scott? He's not credible. Nikki Haley, Mike Pence, not credible. They may be one percenters, as Donald likes to say, but they're getting less interest than Chris Christie's Peloton. (laughs) But aren't they credible? I mean, if you ask me, it sounds like Ron's living up to his desanctimonious nickname. Kind of like I did when Al-Qaeda prisoners at Guantanamo Bay called me Lieutenant Hegg waterboarding. (laughs) (laughs) Then you got this whole Disney dust up. Disney just announced they are pulling one billion in investment from Florida, something the Trump camp is hitting him on, saying, quote, Ron DeSantis is having a no good, very bad week, letting Disney steamroll him. Everything he's saying is exactly what consultants tell candidates to manipulate and bamboozle them. It sure does feel like establishment Republican candidates are running Ron's show right into the ground. The closer his announcement get, gets, the lower his numbers go. Is it too late for Hillary to run? <laughs> Just a picture. Is it too late for her to run for governor of Florida? She could at least scare away the alligators, too. A couple of things there. Uh, number one, he mentioned uh you know, one of the things we wanted to wrap up on the uh, globalism thing is, you know, I think that is kind of an interesting thing with respect to DeSantis and Disney. Yeah. If he was such a globalist, why is he being so hard on Disney? Well, that's what, like I'm, that? that's what yeah. I'm saying. I, uh, think I, that's what, I, I think that this is going to come out, you know. Well, yeah, but I think he did something for optics. Um, and he he's losing that battle right now. Disney's more powerful than the governor of Florida. Yeah. Um, but, but here's the thing. The thing is, is that Elon Musk did the same thing. Elon Musk tries to, he comes out against globalists a lot lately. Okay? Yeah. But yet, he's in bed with not only China, Elon Musk. Yeah. Um, because he depends on the batteries for his cars. And he's pushing electric, and boy, I tell you, I'll be honest, I really and truly hope the electric vehicle market crashes and burns. I am so against that market for two reasons. One, I think it's 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 um, not fair to the consumer to not have choice. Yeah, they've sub- they boosted that up while they penalized combustible engines, something that we bought into, and oil is replenishable, meaning that it's not just a net zero game like where you take oil from the earth and it never comes back. It does come back. It brews. And so 
I don't think it's right that we're, and I don't think there's any truth to the climate hoax. I think it's all about control and slave labor. Uh, it's pushing manufacturing to one region of the world. Nobody cares about the CO2 emissions uh, over in China, but they all of a sudden care so much about your gas stove. And then the other part is when I open up a European French channel, like we, uh, Leonora, you and I were watching it the yeah, other day, yeah. and you were listening to it in France. Europe, French, European news. And... Um, they were covering gas stoves being banned in in French. And then you go to England and they got a reparations argument yeah. uh, about that. And you're like, okay, so these are obviously strategies. They're not like organic issues for each country all, because we're not that homogenous, right? Mm-hmm. So why is it then that New Zealand and Australia and Canada and uh, – and England and France and Germany and and the United States all have the same reparations arguments mm-hmm. and all have the same gas stove arguments because it's being dictated from the World Economic Forum itself and the corporations are sponsoring it and they're getting on board with new systems so that they have a hedge on the mar- markets uh, and they can profit not only through putting other uh, systems out of business – and getting a head start on new businesses, but they also get the slave labor that's going to be associated with climate and the climate regulations that are going to limit manufacturing in the West, but gaslight the manufacturing in the East. And the BRICS nations are going to be the slaves. The G7 nations are going to be the innovators. That's how it's going to play out. And then the other part is you got Nikki Haley and Tim Scott and Mike Pence for one reason, and that is they're generating um, donations from individuals and uh, voters that hate Trump and maybe don't like DeSantis that much. So, you know, um, uh, uh, what's her name? Um, Ronna McDaniel. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the, I was always thinking the McRhinos, right? Right. M- McConnell, uh, McCarthy, and McDaniels. Well, McDaniels, she's not creative. She can't raise a- any money from anyone other than a globalist corporation like BlackRock or a BlackRock-owned subsidiary, which is all the corporations mm-hmm. in, a, in the world. And so she's basically can't sell out to them. Otherwise, she can't get corporate donations for the RNC and WinRed. So these Tim Scotts and Nikki Haley's and and Mike Pence's of the world are basically getting the only people donating to their campaigns and not to Trump are the people that the RNC wants to get. So it's sort of like a multi-level marketing pyramid scheme where as a company like Amway depends on uh, sellers or, or, you know, uh, people that sell their products in their downline uh, depends on they depend on them to get their family and friends, which is actually the same kind of model that the Black Lives Matter used to divide black conservatives from black uh, liberals. Mm-hmm. They were destroying the entire black community at the expense of politics and power. And the way they did it was they financed Black Lives Matter to perpetuate an argument 
that the black conservatives weren't financed to win. So they financed with the full force and uh, throttle of the federal government. And and they gave that to the liberals on the black in the black communities and called it Black Lives Matter based on a lie of hands up, don't shoot Michael Brown. And when they would get to the kitchen table and the black liberals would talk to the black conservatives, the black conservatives would make sense. The black liberals wouldn't, but it would divide them to the point where they would no longer talk to each other. And if that didn't work, they would put a mask on you by creating a pandemic in the form of a bioweapon called COVID. So either, and, and, and then force mail-in balloting and ballot harvesting. And there's all kinds of fraud associated with ballot harvesting. We have proof of that on video. And so there's all of this stuff going on, this divide and conquer stuff. And we are going to be running a series on this wokeness in uh, the near future that's going to break this down and explain this in such great detail. I have so many, I have a 30-minute clip that I'm going to play one day soon. I have another clip on COVID as a bioweapon that's a 20-minute clip. It's an audio clip. And it's just such great analysis. You have to hear it. And these were before the European Union and the European Parliament. They're totally legit. And uh, you're going to hear it soon. But yeah, this is what's happening, is this divide and conquer stuff. Because the best way to convert a liberal is not by having Donald Trump walk into your you know, black liberal house and con- try to convert you. It's going to be a futile effort. But if a black liberal sits down at Thanksgiving dinner and talks to his black conservative cousin or friend or wife or spouse or brother or sister, they're going to be able to listen. They're going to listen because they trust this person, right? They love this person, even though they might be politically different. And at some point, they're going to lo- the liberals are going to lose that debate to the conservative. And I think that was happening in droves. And that's why Trump said, what the hell do you have to lose? And literally won more black votes than any other conservative in the history of America. So, yeah, there was some truth to that. And that's, that's why it's shameful that the federal government, especially at the State Department, flies rainbow flags and Black Lives Matter flags at the top of embassies in foreign countries. Because that's a federal dollar that's taken out of my pocket. And I don't support Black Lives Matter or the pride flag. Target's already getting lamb blasted because it's Memorial Day weekend. And on Memorial Day weekend, they are literally putting pride in the front entrance of most stores. And they're covering more real estate in Target because of this guy named Brian Cornell, this libtard that basically says it's good for society to go woke. Meanwhile, he just lost $9 billion in shareholder money. That's a violation of his fiduciary duty. And for what? I mean, woke and equity are the same thing. It's woke, equity, and Marxism. And we're going to make the argument on that in the coming days and weeks. But it's all a political Um, stronghold. It's a fundraising opportunity. And when you fly their flags and not MAGAPAC.org's flag or not 
uh, Scott Adams shows flag, uh, you're basically perpetuating the Democrat donor idea and not the Republican donor idea. It's unfair for the federal government to be, you know, basically uh, meddling in elections the way they are doing. It's absolutely insane. All right, so we have a couple of clips I want to play. This is a great clip. I'm going to play this one. It's uh, the longest clip we have today, but it's Victor Davis Hanson. With more. Victor, why are those institutions colluding in America's... What they, why do they want America's suicide? I don't know exactly, but I think they feel that if they're correct ideologically, then they get a pass on every type of behavior And that behavior leads to sort of the destruction of institutions. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because they feel America was flawed in in its origin. So you take our here in California, we're we're, we're facing $32 billion in debt, Pete. Why would a council or commission on reparations say that we're going to get $800 billion? uh, Why not a trillion? But to African-Americans, when we were a, a free state, that's eight generations ago. And then... When confronted with those realities, the commission says, well, we're willing to take it on installment. Or I was just reading, you know, we, we're looking up the, the tragic death on the subway, and I thought, wow, this guy looks like he's a career criminal that was killed. I thought maybe he had a arrest of five, seven. How does somebody in the criminal justice system have a, an arrest record of 40 arrests, including violent assault, lewd conduct? And then his uncle weighed in, and I thought, Wow, he's weighing in in support of his deceased nephew. Maybe he has a criminal record. He's been arrested 70 times. What kind of criminal justice system, I guess, ideologically just excuse felony behavior? 70 times? Or we look at the border, I thought, wow, it might be porous. We might, under the Biden administration, have 100,000 or 200,000 illegal entries. But they just blew it up. It doesn't exist. We can't even imagine six and a half million illegal entries. And we look at the Los Angeles Dodgers. You know, greater Los Angeles has probably got the largest city in North America of people of Mexican-American or Central American or Hispanic heritage. The majority are Catholic. Most are still observant. Baseball, along with soccer, is the the national pastime of the Spanish-speaking communities here and elsewhere. Why would the Los Angeles Dodgers, who depends on this constituency at a time when people are, you know, audiences for professional sports are in decline, why would they invite the sisters of uh, perpetual indulgence when their stock and trade is performance art, blasphemy, simulated sex, pornographic uh, attacks on the Trinity, the Catholic faith? What, what makes them do that? Is it they're hiring people out of MBA programs that are woke or they don't care? But the, the general theme in all of these incidents is that Certain people feel they can take it to the ultimate level to insult traditional America, and there's no consequences, whether Target or Disney or Bud Light. And you were talking about the FBI, Pete, but I thought maybe mm-hmm. uh, an FBI director might fib once. But how did Andrew McCabe lie four times, three times under oath? Or James Clapper lied uh, about the NSA under oath, the head of the NSA, and he just simply laughed it off as, well, it's at least untruthful answer. Or John Brennan lied twice under oath, CIA director. And James Comey, I thought, when he's in there and Devin Nunes and people are interviewing, he might claim amnesia 10 or 20 times, but 245 times? So what I'm getting at is there's an arrogance that people feel that they can say or do whatever they want because ideologically they feel they're protected or exempt. 
And even if that destroys these institutions, we've destroyed the FBI, the CIA, the IRS, corporate America, the border, and I think traditional ecumenical racial relations. And it just keeps going as if it's a Jacobin or some type of updated French revolution. And I don't think we're, we in traditional America understand what's going on. No, I don't think we do. And I think this guy has a handle on it. This is a guy... Um uh, Dr. James Lindsay, uh, I'm going to play a, just a small portion of a greater clip. Uh, listen to this. In fact, that woke is supposed to advance equity in Europe. So here's the definition of equity and see if it sounds like a definition of anything else you've ever heard of. The definition of equity comes from the public administration literature. It was written by a man named George Fredrickson. And the definition is an administered political economy in which shares are adjusted so that citizens are made equal. Does that sound like anything you've heard of before? Like socialism. They're going to administer an economy to make shares equal. The only difference between equity and socialism is the type of property that they redistribute, the type of shares. They're going to redistribute social and cultural capital in addition to economic and material capital. And so this is my thesis when we say, what is woke? Woke is Maoism with American characteristics, if I might borrow from Mao himself, who said that his philosophy was Marxism-Leninism with Chinese characteristics, which means woke is Marxism. And it's a very provocative statement. It's something you will certainly hear it is not, that it is different. And the, the, the professors and the philosophers will spend a large amount of time explaining to you why. No, no, it's about economics when it's Marxism. This is social. This is cultural. This is different. It's not different. I need you to think biologically for one moment. And I don't mean about your bodies. We could do that. That's a different topic. I want you to think how we organize plants and animals when we study them. There's species, but above species, there are the genus of the animals. He gets into a, a broader uh, expansion yeah. of that. And I just thought, uh, that's just a teaser. We are going to play that clip in its entirety when we have more time on another day. Mm -hmm. But um, trust me, you're going to hear that. And you're going to hear an expansion of that um, analysis. Uh, it is super. And... Uh, it just blew it blew me away. But we have a lot of things going on here. Like, for example, uh, Candace Owens, a great, great exercise on woke as well. Uh, here she's talking about this pregnant nurse that lost her job because she had a fight with two black guys that took her bike after she put her swiped her card to get one of those paid bikes in the mm -hmm. city yeah this was in new york i believe and is one of those city bikes and they basically came back and saw they've admitted their wrongdoing but she lost her job she's pregnant why did she lose her job because the video went viral and she was actually you know, not being rude or anything. She was like, it's my bike. You know, like, 
She was basically for defending they, a bike that so, she had so purchased. Ben, she the, lost that her Crump job. Guy, the guy that was like Michael Brown's attorney, and yeah, yeah. you know the uh, race baiting. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ben Crump, I guess, uh, is just such a such a like. He, he acts like he cares about black people, just like Gloria Allred acts like she cares about rape victims. Mm-hmm. When they're they could, couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, I mean, uh, Laura Bloom, her daughter, Lisa Bloom, Lisa Bloom, her daughter supported uh, Harvey, Harvey Weinstein. Weinstein. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's just absolutely ridiculous. But listen to Candace Owens talk about that issue. So, in order for you to believe that she is not the victim in this scenario. You would have to believe that this white woman got off of work somewhere at the medical industry and said, you know what? I want to start a fight with some black guys. I just want to do some crimes. I know I'm pregnant, but I want to F around and find out. You know, I'm just feeling the thug life is calling me and I want to see if I can win a fight against five black guys. There's a black guy on a bike and I want his bike. So what's up, homie? Give me your bike because it's taken me and my pregnant ass home. That's that's what you'd have to believe. And for whatever reason, of course, that is exactly. Basically, she's doing Sandra Bird, Sandra Bernhardt. No, from Crash. Oh, 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 you mean uh, Sandra uh, Sandra Bullock? Sandra Bullock. She's doing Sandra Bullock's scene yeah. with the homie and the tattoo right, changing right, the lock. Right, yeah. From Crash, she's doing that. What Benjamin Crump? and a bunch of race baiters online believed when this video went viral. Here is Benjamin Crump's actual tweet. This is unacceptable. A white woman was caught on camera attempting to steal a city bike from a young black man in New York City. She grossly tried to weaponize her tears to paint this man as a threat. This is exactly the type of behavior that has endangered so many black men in the past. Brilliant, Ben Crump. Absolutely brilliant, because as I said, I don't know about other pregnant women, but when I have to be in protection, when I when I am pregnant and I have to make sure that my baby is okay, the first thing that I do is I go find some big black men that I can start a fight with over a bike. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it it just makes so much sense. Yeah. Well, here's something else that doesn't make sense. Here is Senator Kennedy basically talking about the climate investment of $50 trillion dollars. And the people that want the money, want to control you, uh, don't have a clue as to how this would significantly change anything, especially when we are not doing anything mm-hmm. about China. Yeah. If it costs $50 trillion, as some of your colleagues have testified, to become carbon neutral by 2050, how much is that going to lower world temperatures? So every country around the world needs to get its act together. Our emissions are about 13% of global emissions. Yeah, but if right you could now. answer my question, if we spend $50 trillion to become carbon neutral in the United States of America by 2050, you're the Deputy Secretary of Energy. Give me your estimate of how much that is going to reduce world temperatures. So, so first of all, it's a net cost. Um, it's what uh, benefits we're having from getting our act together and reducing all of those climate benefits. We're seeing. Let me ask again. Maybe I'm being. Right maybe I'm not being clear. If we spent fifty trillion dollars to become carbon neutral by two thousand and fifty in the United States of America, how much is that going to reduce world temperatures? This is a global problem, so we need to reduce our emissions and we need to do everything we can. How much, if we do our part, is it going to reduce? So world we're for we're thirteen percent of global emissions. You don't know, do you? 
So we're 13 percent. If you know, why won't you tell me if we went to zero? That would be 13 percent. You don't know, do you? You just want us to spend 50 trillion dollars and you don't have the slightest idea whether it's going to reduce world temperatures. You're the deputy secretary of the Department of Energy and you're advocating we spend trillions of dollars to seek carbon neutrality and you can't and this isn't your money and my money it's taxpayer money and you can't tell me how much it's going to lower world temperatures <laughs> what do you say i mean how do you like that that to me is a powerful clip well again there is a tremendous amount yeah. of pressure for all types of organizations yeah. including the fed and to invest in environmental and, and, and matters they're, and they're pushing windmills yeah now this has so been check, going on for a while check this story out in Scotland. Right here. Scotland's power sector is coming under fire after it was revealed that officials used massive diesel generators to ensure dozens of giant turbines. Wait, did I just hear that right? Yes. They're using diesel? Yep, they're using diesel. Let's hear that again. Scotland's power sector is coming under fire after it was revealed that officials used massive diesel generators to ensure dozens of giant turbines on wind farms could function. According to the Sunday Mail, they were tipped off by a whistleblower who cited a number of environmental health and safety concerns, one of which was half a dozen diesel generators running for up to six hours a day to de-ice the wind turbines. Scottish Power said they were forced to hook up 71 windmills to the fossil fuel supply after a fault on their grid caused the system to fail to keep the turbines warm and working during the cold month of December. Other concerns from the whistleblower included thousands of liters of leaked oil from hydraulic units and technical faults that see turbines taking energy from the grid rather than producing energy. Never mind the fact that they were... uh yeah. Um, never mind the fact that they were uh, <laughs> distracted in the studio. Never, never, <laughs> never mind the fact that they are killing eagles yeah, and and the environment. See again, they're being hypocrites. Absolutely. Um, I also wanted to play. Well, let's see. Ah, there was a few other things we wanted to cover. I wanted to cover this uh, clip here about wokeism, uh, real quick. Why do you lie to black people? Why do you lie to black people? Why do liberals feel that they have to do that? Because they need to keep blacks angry. They need to keep blacks close to them, right? This does not serve black people. Doesn't, if it does, doesn't serve black people, it doesn't serve white people either. Because it creates conflict. The people who need to cleave blacks from whites do so because they realize there is profit and discontent. They're rent-seeking. As long as there's a problem, whether it's racism or whether it's homelessness. A billion dollars went to homelessness. We don't know where it went. Because you need a persistent crisis in order to keep your job. Consultants and corporations, right? Activists. you got to keep this lie going. And once blacks walk away from this lie... Oh, they're going to be happy, but they're going to be pissed. And then we got one more clip uh, we want to play. This is Debbie Wasserman Schultz talking about who's going to pick our vegetables. When uh, Arizona did the same to uh, to their immigrants in their their state, he's going to devastate our economy. Tourism, construction, 
agriculture. I mean, you're going to have vegetables rotting in the fields. You're going to have construction sites that will lie dormant uh, or certainly will struggle to get workers to be able to, uh, to, to to help make sure that they can make progress. The tourism, is it, tourism and restaurant industry in particular, you know, rely on, the, on these workers. So again, it's all about slave labor and cheap labor for, uh, to answer to their corporate cronies that donate to their campaigns. And that's domestically. But then there's also that global Chinese uh, impact for the cli- that's perpetuated by the climate and the World Economic Forum and globalists. So, Leonora, you, uh, are, you have something you want to share. Yeah, just staying on the same train of thought, talking about wokeism, I'm going to direct people to uh, – read when it comes out my um, double book review in the American Spectator summer issue. Um, I'm reviewing the book by Carol Markowitz and Bethany Mendel, Stolen Youth, How Radicals Are Erasing Innocence and Indoctrinating a Generation. And this kind of goes through all the bad things that have happened in the last three years with COVID, with the 1619 Project, with critical race theory, etc. But the same review also, the same article also includes a review of John Agresto's The Death of Learning, How American education has failed our students and what to do about it. And this is all about the decline of the liberal arts. So, and the the magazine in general gets into a lot of other fascinating issues about education and what's going on, the wokeism. And we also include a list of conservative colleges that you that you should consider. So if you're interested in getting a copy of the magazine with my articles uh, and the other uh, sections, you can set you can send us an email. Where can they write to Scott? To get a copy of my my articles. Scott at scottadamshow.com. There you go. So write to Scott at scottadamshow.com. And yeah, I will send you a magazine with a personal message. So what do they need to send you? Their address? They have to send me their mailing address. It's a physical magazine. It's a physical magazine. It's a I very will, nice magazine. I, I, will mail, I will mail you a free copy. Personally. And send you and a hand pers- I will send you a personal note. Wow. So what are you saying? What I'm saying... You're saying you're going to send out... If someone were to send an email to scott at scottadamshow.com with their mailing address, you will send them a handwritten note... note. And this and issue, a magazine. which has my articles plus a plethora of other interesting articles about has the burning. Two articles it, has, it. it has a double book review for me, and then it also has many other interesting educational articles plus a list of conservative colleges. All right, folks, you heard it here. I didn't know that you were going to do that, actually. Um, all right, so it's email. I did not know that, but it's scott at scottadamshow.com. That's S-E-O-T-T. Scott at scottadamshow.com. Send an email with an address, and Leonora will send you a copy of the latest uh, American Spectator magazine with a handwritten note. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she has two articles in it that she wants you to read. All right. Well, that's interesting. I didn't know you were going to do that, but that's a great offer. It's free. <laughs> it doesn't cost you anything. Anyway, um, and you won't be put on any lists. You won't be put yeah. on any lists. Right. Uh, this that is, I can promise this is just you. I will, I'm not putting anybody on any lists. And i got to plug my MAGAPAC.org mm-hmm. uh, to find out how we're advancing America First policies to make America great again. Uh, make a donation if you can. Also use Red State over at MyPillow.com. We'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. Just to bury my kids right up to there.